Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Trust. I'm your host, Adam Buchanan. This is episode 37. So happy to have Anne Hanley here with us. We are dubbing this a special episode brought to you on a Friday and we're calling it Truth Telling Friday. Isn't that right, Anne? That is absolutely right. Plus 37 is a magical number. Is it not? Three plus seven is 11. So yeah, um, I'm it's, super. It's 10 actually, isn't it? Are you bad at math? <clears throat> well, I got an, <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> actually, you know, I got, I got an 11 out of 25 on the ACT. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Truth be told. Okay. Let the record show. Oh, darn it. Okay. This is off to a great start. First off, Anne, <laughs> if you don't know Anne, she is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. She wrote a book that should be on your desk. It is called Everybody Writes. If you're building a website, writing content, doing email, whatever it is. And the thing I like about your book is it, it's more of just this incredible guide. I mean, you can flip through it, go back, go forth. It is so resourceful. So have you seen that? Like people using it that way as more of like a, like a manual or a, or a, a guide? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's it's very gratifying for me because I a lot of times I get that feedback from people. Back when we used to go to events, remember when we used to see each other in person and no. sometimes what, high five or what hug? is the yeah, what is this high five you speak of? What is this thing you're talking about? <laughs> so yeah, when when that used to happen, um, very often if I were speaking somewhere, somebody would come up to me and ask me to sign a book. And one of my favorite, favorite things is when I would get the book and it's dog-eared and, it, and it's got like, uh, like post-it notes stuck inside it. And it's like 3M like sponsored this book. Like that's yes. what it looks like. There's so many sticky notes in there. And I love that so much. It's every time I, I see it, I take a, a picture because it just, it's very gratifying to me. So I do think that it's not it's not just a book. It's actually something that people use and, and keep on their desk and refer to from time to time, which as an author, of course, is incredibly gratifying. I've seen that on, on Twitter as well. People updating that and yeah, yeah they're tattered, they're marked. It, it's that, that must be just awesome because I think as an author and a content creator, you're always wondering, okay, are people actually paying attention? Are they listening? Are they, that is, you know, like a hundred percent watched episode or yeah, yeah, video, exactly. right? That's the equipment. yeah, yeah. And you, you know, you don't want to. Well, this is true of any content that you create, but you don't want somebody to read it once, or view it once, or listen to it once, and then set it aside and never refer to it again. Like never let that piece of content darken its doorstep again. And so, your goal as a creator is always to be an ongoing resource to someone. And so, you know, the fact that that this book that everybody writes is that for so many content creators is gratifying, but I also just think that more broadly, it's a, it's a great way to think about your content, which feeds into what we're talking about here, right? Creating this trusted resource for people to go back to time and again. And imagine a world where brands made it a KPI that they had to have their videos watched twice or three times, you know, creating Ooh, content, creating content so good that people have to come back to it again and again. That, ooh, that's interesting. Take that to your that. next, let's all take that to our next phone call. How's, how's that, everybody? <laughs> Run it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like I think about the, the content that I love the most is often content that I have read more than once or that I viewed more than once. Um, 
and so, yeah, I, I actually think that that's a valuable metric. We should think about that. Uh, maybe we'll call it the bookmark worthy metric. Mm. Is it a is it a seven point two on the bookmark worthy scale? Let's, <laughs> let's try to get a ten next month, team. How's, how's yeah, that? yeah, and not you can't and not like an Evernote benchmark because Evernote, you know, you just you you hoard things there and you never go back to them. So we want the opposite, right? We want a situation where somebody saves something so that they can refer to it often and and as often as they need to. The only useful thing I've seen with Evernote is sushi. People going back to their favorite sushi places and recording which uh, roles that they like. So, oh, really? Oh, that's it, interesting. Yeah, but you know, I have a I have a well documented allergy to Evernote, and I, <laughs> I, I, there's no antihistamine on this planet that can help me with that allergy. I literally cannot use it. I just yeah. I I break out in metaphorical highs every time I open up Evernote. I've installed it and deleted it on my phone on my on my laptop about. One billion times, and I just cannot. I just can't. I can't vibe with it at all. I don't know what it is, but I can't. Uh, also, let the record show: Evernote is not sponsoring this episode, and uh, we. This is still a Truth Telling Friday uh, special segment, episode thirty-seven. Um, so, thank. Yes, this is this is open book, transparent. This is what we're all about here on the Marketing Trust. The other thing, speaking of bookmark worthy, make sure to check out marketingprofs.com. Anne is the head content officer. She is, what, what is the acronym? Uh, Chief content officer. Chief content officer. Yeah. CCO. CCO. People. Fun fact, I believe I am the world's first chief content officer. As far as I know, I've never been able to document anyone who had the title earlier than I did. I've had it since 1997. Wow. At my last company at quickz.com. So Okay, yeah. you're definitely the first. And if there's I, I believe so, yeah. And if there's anyone who's trying to, you know, knock you off that pedestal, you can just ask your followers on Twitter to suggest edits on their LinkedIn account and <laughs> we will just shut we will just shut that down. <laughs> um and let's go back into your background a bit. Uh, you know, before marketing profs, where did this all begin for you and, and how did you get to where you are today? Mm. So how far back do we want to go here? So when I was eight years old, <laughs> not even kidding. Got the cape. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I grew up uh, just outside of Boston. And when I was eight years old, my mom gave me a diary, you know, just a diary that I could document my life in. Um, and that's the typical gift that you give to a bookish child, a child who loves to read, which is very much me. The problem with it, though, is that I thought it was incredibly boring just to write down my own thoughts and ideas and put them under lock and key and put them under my mattress because that's essentially what you're supposed to do with a diary, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought it was so boring and I thought, you know what, what I really love to do, I do love to write, but what I love to do more is use that writing to connect with other people. And so when I was eight, I started a neighborhood newsletter. And I would document all the really important things that were going on in the neighborhood, like the fact that the Hoyles across the street got a new mailbox, like the fact that the Richards down the street were flouting the dog, the dog uh, leash laws. Um, what else? Let's see, that the best baseball lot was between the Braxtons and the Doyles house, threw houses up from me. Um, that kind of thing. So I was sort of a roving reporter, part tattletale, part observational 
kid part poet, you know, just sort of <laughs> riding my bike around the neighborhood and then scribbling things down. My dad took the newsletter to his office and, um, and I, w I would say Xerox it, but it was probably like mimeographing or something like that <laughs> at the time. <laughs> on papyrus. Yeah, on papyrus. Yeah, exactly. He took it to the office and they, they, they unrolled the, the sheath. And um, anyway, so and then I, I delivered it. And that model of actually using content, right, <laughs> to connect with an audience, that's been the hallmark of my career ever since. So from there, fast forward, um, you know, I, I went to school for journalism. I was a reporter for a while for a bunch of different publications, um, some local papers, the Boston Globe. Eventually, I moved into the, the business to business world of journalism. Mm. And from there, started Click Z when my daughter was a newborn in 1997. And, uh, and then from there, went to Marketing Profs, wrote a few books on content and marketing. Uh, and here we are. But the through line through all of that is the fact that producing content to engage an audience, to put this in marketing terms, right, has always been what my true love is and really what I've always been about. That's a fantastic overview. And I think it also rings true with even the content you create now. It's very true. It's very real. Even back when you were so young, you were like, yeah, hey, you know, so-and-so is not picking up after their dog or, you know, this is the, this is the, total breaking news on on your street i i just love how honesty has always kind of been with you so that that's uh that's a very cool that's cool to look back and and see that i'm sure yeah yeah it totally is and um yeah I, I skipped over a part in there where i had a bunch of pen pals that was that was when i stopped doing the newsletter which lasted by the way for all of maybe three issues one summer um <laughs> it didn't exactly have longevity <laughs> i wish i had a copy now to tell you the truth but i oh, don't that's awesome. Um, but in between there, I also had a program where I had a bunch of pen pals from all around the world. And if this wasn't an indication that I was poised to be a marketer at some point, I don't know what was because <laughs> again, I was really bored even writing individually to people about my own life. And so I started inventing personas essentially. And I would write from the persona's point of view to these other kids all around the world, Malaysia, Australia, the UK, they were like, just international. I had about, I don't know, 10, 12 going at one time, just letters flying back and forth and with all these different personas. And I kept it all straight in this, in this spiral bound notebook. And believe it or not, I actually still do have the notebook. I found it a few years ago and it's just, just proof of just what a weirdo I was, but, but also just the whole idea that, you know, thinking about how you actually create content on behalf of a something persona brand you know whatever the case may be obviously Incorrect. destined to be a marketer for since day one <laughs> yes. the famous notebook gosh there should be a movie out and just call it the notebook i wonder how that would go mm, i think it's be... been done ah well <laughs> the that is uh, such a great uh, background i i love that and i think we all have those little stories from like when we're these young marketers for me i was uh, i used to steal rocks from the neighbors and i would paint them and then sell them back to the neighbors for an exorbitant Ooh. price. And um, yeah, but you know, the jail time was worth it. You know, I made some good money. Um, let's talk about, you know, the importance of, of content and the messaging as it relates to brands trying to, you know, serve their audience and, and that type of thing. Um, and that's a very common discussion, but a, I think oftentimes what brands struggle with is they're almost like waiting for permission or they're waiting for that perfect time to go produce. And I see that even on 
you know, entrepreneurs and people are trying to stand out themselves. They're, they're almost, they're just waiting. And I, I think what I like about you, Anne, is you don't wait. You don't ask for permission. Even at such a young age, you're just like, I'm just going to do this. You know, I could go ask everybody and knock doors and see, oh, are you okay with me? No, you just, you do it. And what do you think the importance of that is um, in this day and age? Yeah, I mean, I do think that you do just need to start somewhere and you just need to do it. I mean, I think part of the reason why I did that when I was young was because I didn't, you know, I was kind of naive, right? It didn't occur to me that, <laughs> that anyone would think that was a terrible idea to rat out the Richards and their dog <laughs> issue. Um, but that the older that I, I got, I did get a little bit more, uh, I don't know, fearful, I guess maybe is the word. I, I did feel like I needed permission from somebody. So, you know, as, as much as I feel like those roots were always in place, it, it wasn't always the case with me. So I have complete and utter empathy for any entrepreneur, any business who feels themselves in that same spot of really not being sure of not having the confidence to create content and to publish because, you know, there's a pretty big gap between when I started uh, or when I was, was doing that newsletter in the neighborhood. And then when I was doing the letters, when I was a, a pen pal to all these people nationwide, I mean, internationally. Um, and then I didn't write my first book until 2010. <laughs> so while I was writing, I, I think I sort of hid behind journalism a little bit, which, you know, the author is completely out of journalism, right? So I, I wasn't publishing anything that was truly how I thought or felt about things. Um, and, then in, and then even when I went into marketing and I was creating content in marketing for a long time, I still was very often keeping myself out of it. I was the editor for other people. I would help them craft their ideas and and shape their ideas, but I wasn't necessarily putting myself into it. And so one of the things that I learned as I advanced in my career was that you have to put yourself into it. And that's terrifying. That's scary because when you put yourself into it, it also means that people can reject you, right? That yeah. they are not going to like what you have to say. And, and to be honest, that's something I struggle with to this day. I'm, far enough along in my career and I'm, I'm confident enough that I'm, I'm able to know intellectually that I'm able to rationalize and say, well, that's, that's a, a them problem, not a me problem. But nonetheless, the idea that you have to, that, that I think inherent in any creative pursuit around content or, or almost anything, but it, inherent in that process of creation is embedded a vulnerability. So we have to, learn to live with both and figure out a way to put that, you know, for me, it became, I had to, I had to sort of steel myself a little bit, gird my loins a little bit and say, I need to have the confidence to do this. And the thing is that the more, the more you give yourself a little, like you, you allow yourself to feel a little less fearful. And for me, it was just pushing myself to do it. Then the more it, it, you know, the more people who say positive things about you and the more you feel supported and the more you feel ultimately even more, uh, you feel more permission, I guess, to, to share your thoughts because you have more confidence around them. So I, I don't think there's any one trigger for me. It's been, it's been a very much though an exercise of inches, you know, just a little bit at a time. Um, and, you know, I wish I'd started earlier, to tell you the truth. I mean, I did, because I didn't really start sharing my, my ideas in a very public way until we published, CeCe Chapman and I published Content Rules in 2010. You know, that, that to me feels a little bit like I, I waited too long. And, and so I, one of the things I always tell entrepreneurs is, like, start now. Don't wait. Yeah. Just, just get it. Get into it. 
Yeah, that negative feedback can can be very difficult too. And I think when you first get it, you hear about it and you're like, oh yeah, that that happens to other people. But then when mm-hmm. it happens to you, it man, uh, it wrecked yeah. me for quite a few days when I got my first nasty email uh, on this podcast. Actually, uh, someone was very displeased. And, really? Yeah. Uh, Pat Flynn, uh, I think, really speaks to this. He's very mm-hmm. open about this, and I'm thankful for that because I've had to lean on on that a few times. And so, thank you for sharing that. I think that is something to to remind folks that as you are creating, you are going to get that feedback sometimes, and it, it can hit you uh, pretty yeah. hard. And you know, I publish an email newsletter every other Sunday, and I started doing it about two years ago because I wasn't touching as much anymore. I mean, yes you know, my books and, and yes, I was contributing to social and writing on LinkedIn and so on, but I did, I wasn't creating anywhere that I owned, you know, that I really felt like I owned it from ideation all the way through deployment. Right. So in other words, I wrote it, I edited it, I put it up on, um, I use a Weber as my, as my email provider of choice, also not sponsored, but just <laughs> telling you, um, and, um, and then I would, I, and then I also like push the button, right as our friend Brian Fanzo says. So I wanted that, that feeling of just owning something 100%. And um, all that to say, so every other Sunday when I publish that newsletter now, I still, every once in a while, will get a note back. And I, I think in it, they're just not happy and not pleased. And I think to myself, first, it's a free newsletter. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't like it? Move on. I mean, what's the big deal? And why do you feel a need to judge me so harshly? Yeah. And, um, and I guess, you know, ultimately, I think it just speaks to somebody's insecurity or jealousy, or I don't know what it is. Like, I can't, I can't spend a lot of time thinking about it. But yeah. I have I've had to tell myself, maybe like you, that it's, you know, it's not about, it's not about you. It's very often about them. And there's some sort of brokenness that they hold inside them. Yeah, and, and I think uh, one thing I see a lot in you is just sharing your expertise and going through that transformation of being able to, yeah, like own what your ideas are and really getting those out there. So in terms of expertise and how brands can show up right now, how, how do you think people are doing that well? What advice would you have when they're, because I, I think one issue a lot of brands have is they are like the world's best kept secret, which is a massive issue. And they're not telling people how they can serve and how they can provide. Um, What do you think is the best way to do that for them right now? Yeah. um, I mean, I don't think that there's any one, one approach. Um, I do think that this environment that we find ourselves in right now, you know, you and I are talking, what is this like day 50 or something like that of the, of the quarantine lockdown. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that this has proven an opportunity. And I mean, I use that word carefully because I don't mean to say that brands should be capitalizing on this situation, mm-hmm. but the opportunity that I see for a lot of companies is just doing what you just said, just like showing up, showing their face, um, showing us who you are, like showing us your personality a little bit. And being very honest, you know, if you if you don't know when you're going to be open for business again, or if you are, you know, unclear on what your business is going to look like over the next year, just you know, being honest about it and and giving your customers, your employees, so internally and externally, just articulating that. Um, and I think that's a perfectly acceptable way to to show up these days in this era of you know, complete and, and utter uncertainty for so many of us as individuals and, and so many companies. So, 
yeah, I think just just showing up and and being as as honest as you possibly can in how you're how you're communicating is is the best way to go. I mean, for a lot of brands, I think the answer is absolutely video, um, but not exclusively. I also think that you can accomplish the same thing through through text, through publishing, but it's through some kind of of content on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I know we've all talked about, I mean, I've talked about video a lot, you know, over the last years, and I think people look at it like, okay, okay, yeah, we get it. But really, it's, it could be anything. I mean, it could be texting a customer one to one, saying, hey, I was thinking of you, how are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it really doesn't have to be, you know, even using video or something complicated. Mm -hmm. In the last... I mean, decade, one thing we've really seen a lot of benefit of is user-generated content, you know, content mm. that the brand doesn't necessarily create. One thing I like about your book, Everybody Writes, is you, you share a few of those examples of very, you know, low production, iPhone photo quality type things. I mean, in your experience, are you seeing that still be the, the forefront of performance? I mean, that's what I've seen. Mm. I would love to get your point of view on that. I mean, this idea of a little bit lower quality, but still thought out. Uh, what's your take on user-generated content? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm 100%. I mean, I think especially now that we have the tools to be able to take user-generated content and share it more generally with audiences, you know, one of the things I'm thinking about immediately as, you're, as I'm listening to you talk is, um, is Instagram, right? Instagram stories, being able to share our people in our community sharing their own um, experiences and and reactions to to what's going on, I think it's a really powerful way to to show up as a brand is to adopt the voice of your customer, and it makes you very relatable. I think when you when you do that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that user generated content and encouraging feedback from your community is is a hundred percent what so many of us need. Not only now, like during this pandemic, but but more broadly. Um, like a super specific example of something that I saw recently that I just absolutely loved, 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 was the way the Getty Museum, did you see this, um, had or, or encouraged people in their community, which is essentially anybody, um, to recreate famous works of art just oh by using God. stuff around their house. Did you see this? I did see this. this oh my gosh. Amazing. Literally the best. Um, and so one of my favorites is that somebody took this super dark and heavy, you know, sort of like, uh, like high on technique still life by this French artist and they recreated it with like, like there was like a fish and, uh, like a bottle of oil. And what was the last one? Like some sort of, uh, like Gougere, I think is, was the name of it. It's like a, like a pot, like a kind of a, a pot of cheese or something like that. And so yeah. they recreated it with just like random stuff from their fridge from Trader Joe's, <laughs> like a can of tuna was substituted for the fish. It's fantastic. Um, and so the Getty encouraged people to do that and then they shared it on their own social. So why do I think that's so awesome? It's because yes, it's encouraging people to, you know, think about the Getty in a different way. Like my impression of the Getty prior to that was that, first of all, I didn't even know what kinds of things they had in their collection. Now I know a few of them anyway. Um, and the second thing that I think is interesting about it is that it humanizes the Getty in a completely different way, you know? So it makes them feel a whole lot closer to me, like as a brand, than I would probably be feeling otherwise. Um, so that's an example, I think, of really encouraging your users to 
um, to participate in your brand, like giving them permission to participate and then embracing it and then sharing it out again, making this, you know, this really lovely ecosystem. That proximity is, is really key because people feel so disconnected now. And even before we, we felt somewhat connected, but now we really don't. And, mm -hmm. and yet that is still that fundamental way that, you know, we consider brands, consider buying, consider continuing to engage with them. My favorite was the two kids who recreated the Disney water show yeah. and the kids laying on his back, squirting a sprinkler. And I had no idea what was happening. And then at the end, he, you know, it's revealed that he was shooting a little sprinkler and the, the guy, the, the little boys, Mickey, you know, I just was blown away. And I don't even think that was solicited by Disneyland. I think it was just two kids, you know, rocking it out. So, yeah yeah okay. well if disney's smart then they would if their social if their oh. social person was on it they would have uh, shared the heck out of that so. <laughs> absolutely uh, now this is not over we don't know when it's going to be over this this pandemic and uh, we've kind of had that first wave of initial responses of hey we're monitoring the situation i'm sorry i have to laugh it's like i'm so sure people are monitoring the situation like i I get they are, but I just, it's so carbon copied. And I think mm -hmm. that's one thing brands have got to be super careful about is yeah. someone put out the first initial message and I think everyone else is just copying and pasting it. I don't need to make light, but this is truthful. Tell the truth Friday. So um, <laughs> as we go forward yes. and we're thinking about, okay, what are the next few months look like? I mean, there's just so much uncertainty what, what advice would you would you advise people to continue to pivot or kind of go in this continue this uh you know coordinate of you know just staying true to this idea of you know closeness i mean what what would you recommend going forward yeah i mean the question that i always ask myself you know not only on behalf of my own company and marketing profs on behalf of my own brand is like you know how do we lead so i don't think that that this is a time to do nothing. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's a time to really think about, ask the question internally. So if everyone is uncertain right now, like how can we lead an industry? What does the, what does our industry need from us right now? Um, and I think, you know, you can answer that if in, in a million different ways, but so it's not about the company, but I think it's a, it's a good opportunity to, to realize that whatever actions you take now will have reper repercussions long-term because I think people are watching, you know, your customers are watching your prospects are watching. We're all watching brands and seeing mm -hmm. what they're doing and how they're showing up. So, um, you know, one example of a, of a company that has shown incredible leadership, I think at a time that is extremely stressful for their company individually um, is Toast. Toast is a company in Boston. They're a, a, a technology company that makes restaurant management and point of sale systems for restaurants. The restaurant industry, as we all know, super hard hit in, you know, during the pandemic. So many of them have closed. Actually, all of them have been forced to close. Mm -hmm. um, some are doing takeout and delivery, but not all. So Toast you know, their, their customers are in crisis, right? And so what can they do to be there for their community, for their, for the restaurants who are part of the Toast Network, who are online with them, but also more broadly, all restaurants. So what they did is they, um, they launched a website called rallyforrestaurants.com. And it was a quick and dirty site that they put up to invite people in their community, customers, um, 
of, of restaurants that are part of their network, but also just anyone could go on there and buy gift cards to go to restaurants. They could find out who's doing takeout. They, they started adding lots of different features of ways that you could support restaurants, ways that everyday people like you and me could support restaurants in our community. Um, and they articulate, articulated really well why that was so important because of the role that restaurants play in our in making a community as vibrant as it is so that was one thing that they did they then broadened it over the next you know over the past several weeks so now it's also it's cust it's it's consumer facing inviting people to to do you know the, those kinds of of things to support their local restaurants but also it's become um restaurant facing in the sense that it's a resource for restaurants who are trying to figure out this, you know, COVID funding, you know, PPP, all this kind of stuff. Um, and so, oh, that's great. yeah. And so it's a great example, I think, of showing leadership at a time when you're, when the broader community really, really needs it in, in the B2B space. Um, so that's, that's like, a, that's a big initiative, right? But, you know, Toast is a, it's a unicorn company. They've got lots of, of resources to be able to pull something like that off. So I wouldn't want your listeners to, to listen to that story and think, oh, I could never do anything like that. I mean, I think there's, how can you show up and support your customers in this time of, of stress, right? For everyone and, or not just your customers, but your prospects. Um, so at the other end of the spectrum, I'm sorry, like going on a long time with this answer, but no, just to give great. you an example of a small company. Um, so marketing props, my company, small company, 35 people in the entire company. So how we chose to support the marketers who are part of our community was that we, you know, we usually sell our content. That's that's our business model. We are a um, a company who sells education and training to marketers. So we did two free programs for marketers. The first was a mindfulness for marketers, hosted by uh, Marketing Pros founder Alan Weiss. To uh, on a Friday afternoon a couple weeks ago, he got everybody together. He teaches mindfulness at the University of Southern California at. Um, uh, in the mindfulness center there. And so we opened up, we offered him to the community. In other words, if you're feeling stressed out right now, um, you know, here's a, here's a resource for you. So mindfulness for marketers was one. And then the following Friday, we did another uh, free course uh, taught by me actually, which was uh, write your face off. So writing for non-writers essentially. Awesome. <laughs> so Two very simple programs conducted over Zoom. Why do we do that? Because at a time when people are feeling stressed and how can we be a resource to them, essentially? So all that to say, what, how can you be a resource to your customers even if you know, business has stopped, even if you are feeling stressed, you know, how can you actually show up in a, in a way that will make a difference to them? That is Fantastic. And thanks for sharing those resources. Make sure to check out Marketing Props and all the great resources they have. That is. Yes. Yeah, so if you Google, if you Google so um, writing for non-writers, write your face off. I think you can still access it. And uh, anyway. Awesome. Thank you for sharing all that. I love that. Well, to wrap up here, we're going to play a little game. We, mm. we play with everybody who joins the show. It's called Name That Handle and is uh, in a sense naming the social media handle of someone that you and are connected with on social media. I'm gonna give you one word clues about this person. And when you know the person, go ahead and shout out their name. Are you ready? I'm ready, I'm excited. Uh, today, today we're offering uh, 2,000 points, uh, redeemable nowhere. But if you guess the person, <laughs> you, you'll get 2,000 2, points. So 
Okay. I oh my gosh, I love that. 2,000 points, redeemable, absolutely nowhere. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing. The last few episodes, I've been giving out very easy answers. I'm going to give you some difficult ones because I know you're sharp. And I want, and just a hint, I am connected to this person as well. Let me give you one word. Okay. And we're going to start kind of hard because I just, I've been giving it away so much. I, I only have so many of these points, you know, and I can't mm, just give them I away. I know. And they're Gotta very valuable. Got to right? earn it, Anne. Okay. First, first hint here is speaker. Hmm. Do you want me to guess? If you have somebody in mind that you want to guess, go ahead. Andrew Davis. No. Okay. You ready for the next one? Yeah. Suit. Jay Bear. Oh, I knew that was too easy. Oh, it was way too easy. The only other possible answer would be me. And it's like, I, that oh, would have been stupid. Right. Cause you know, my thing is. That would be super meta. Like you have to guess yourself. <laughs> I know. That would be actually really funny. That, that would, <laughs> that would be a first At least you didn't say plaid. If you said plaid, no, I would like, yeah. oh, dude. Well, well, all right. Congratulations. <laughs> Ham Hanley, everyone. You uh, scored the 2,000 points. I'm, I'm very uh, proud of you. Nice. Oh, thank you. I'm very proud of myself too. Great. Jay is just a phenomenal human being. And as we talk about bookmark worthy links and content, gosh, check out Convince and Convert. Holy smokes. Uh, I actually on my desk, I, on my laptop, I have a few of their links bookmarked that I just go back to constantly. Jay is mm. a phenomenal speaker, podcaster, consultant, uh, friend, individual, uh, just an incredible human being. How, what do you... Where do you go back with Jay? How'd you first meet Jay? How did I first meet Jay? Um, oh my goodness. Of course I know the answer to this. Um, so I know Jay way back when Marketing Profs hosted an event in Arizona, which is not too far away from where he was living oh, that's um, right. at the time. And um, so Jay produced a guide to the local everything. So best restaurants, you know, how to get from the airport to the venue. Um, it was basically just a, a, a resource guide for the attendees for our event. And I did not know Jay from, I was gonna say from Adam at the time, but people always <laughs> say that to you, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't know Jay at all. And I just thought, man, you know, that was, that was good hustling. So um, after that, he eventually started um, speaking at our events and he, he's, well, I think first he started attending our event and then he started speaking at it. And so he and I became, became good friends, but yeah, he's a fantastic guy, ton of respect for him and his work and all that he's done and, and built. That's awesome. Great. Uh, the other hint I was going to do for Jay was tequila. So, oh man, these are, you, know, you gotta get, you gotta up your game. I would have guessed all, right. all of those. I mean, I know. speaking was the only one that could have gone anyway. So, well, I'll have to work on my exchange rate for how much <laughs> points are worth too and, and match them to the hands. Uh, and thank you so much. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? 
Oh my goodness. Um, get in touch with me through annhandley.com. Um, I'm at Ann Hanley on Twitter. I'm at Marketing Pros on Twitter. My favorite social media platform by far is Instagram. I'm at Ann Hanley on there as well. Um, if you liked what I had to say today with Adam, you can sign up for my newsletter at annhanley.com slash newsletter. It publishes every other Sunday. It is uh, a lot of fun and, um, it's uh, it's 100% free. And if you don't like it, by the way, don't tell me. <laughs> As truth, we've established. Truth telling Friday. <laughs> uh, the other thing, when you go to Anna Hanley's site, uh, annhanley.com, just pay attention look around as as you've seen how it's written it's very much on you know how she's written her book and how she uh consults and i i i was on your website and i just was so impressed and and there's just so many things there where it's like oh wow like that was very well thought out it was you know so as you're on her site just also consider it like uh kind of a free consultation of how a website should be done so oh thanks uh, i appreciate that Props to you. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode 37. Three plus seven is not 11. It's 10, as we established <laughs> earlier in the, the episode. Thank you all. And also watch for In This Together and as shows with Marcus Sheridan on LinkedIn. And that is something actually really to tune into. A good fresh look on what we're going through right now and appreciate all the work they're doing. Thanks again, and see you next time. Thanks for having me.